Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. Whether or not you want to call it a renaissance, there's no doubting the fact that general interest in the martini has spiked in recent times. The purists among us might like to think that stems from more drinkers opting for orders of stirred, dry, gin with a twist. But ask actual bartenders and they'll tell you a different story. This so-called revival is overwhelmingly being driven by dirty vodka martinis. For more proof, just ask today's guest, Simon Seba. Simon is the beverage director of Grand Tour Hospitality, the group behind such New York City hotspots as American Bar, The Lambs Club, and St. Theo's. Prior to this, Simon spent time at multiple world's 50 best bars, including Dandelion and Lioness. We worked with friend of the show, Ian Griffiths. These days, and across Grand Tour's locations, Simon sells a staggering 600 martinis per night. And I promise, I'm not responsible for all of them. In some instances, those cocktails account for a whopping 93% of sales, the majority of them being vodka-based. So what does that say about New Yorkers as drinkers? That we aren't refined enough for gin? That we don't actually like martinis? Or better put, don't like actual martinis? Absolutely not. The thing is, the dirty martini can be infinitely more nuanced and interesting than cold vodka mixed with brine from the jar. In fact, as we'll learn from Simon today, if you are pulling that brine from the jar, you're doing it all wrong, people. Same goes for vermouth, if you want to include that in the drink too. Your call. And olives? Well, you get the picture by now. Not for the first time in my life I find myself here ranting on about martinis, so I'm going to wrap this up, but I will say one final thing. Stick your brine in the fridge and gin and vodka in the freezer because this one's going to leave you thirsty AF. It's the Cocktail College Podcast listener and it's brought to you by the Vine Pair Podcast Network. Good to go, Simon. Feeling good? Good, always. Always. All right, let's do it then. Let's just jump into it. It's Cocktail College. We're in the studio here with Simon Seba. Simon, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a wonderful day today. Nice falls kicking in here in New York. Nice temperatures outside. It is. It's, it's, it's pretty hot. As I told you, like I just came back from Europe. Like weather was amazing, and now it's you don't know how to dress here. It's just like you 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 leave your home with the jacket, and like midday you just like sweating, you're warm. So. I tell you what, I do enjoy this time of year. We're, we're off topic already, but I do enjoy this time of year for. I have a collection of light jackets that probably gets like a three-week window twice yeah. a year. I have too many of them, so I'm just trying to wear them all now. I, I actually saw a meme on the internet, I think it was yesterday or something. It's like, you leave your home at 6 a.m. in New York, it's it's, it's winter. It, by 10 a.m. it's fall and like whatever. It's just like you get four, se- four seasons in, in a single day. In a single like, day. It's wonderful. I'll tell anyway. you what it is good for. Drinking dirty martinis. That's today's no. episode. That's... Uh, you're right. How do you feel about the dirty martini just off the bat as a cocktail? How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, like martinis in general, like just the way of uh, of doing 
like making stir drink, like as a very simple, but like a, a very simple way, like martini, for example, has been my background for like, I will say 12 years. Yeah. Um, I collaborated with like the biggest cocktail bar on the planet using very simple technique. And you just like realize as you, as people cross paths with you that, um, like doing simple thing are usually like the most complicated, complicated things. Mm -hmm. Uh, just using like regular bar techniques or bar tools or like how you control temperature in a drink, which is like the number one factor in the martini in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's mm -hmm. like, you know, that, that's all I like really like my to go, go to drink in any, everywhere I go is martini can be made in many different way. I don't yeah. have like a very precise, uh, I'm way I like there. it, but. You, you know, we're here to talk about dirty martinis. So. <laughs> I don't know. And sorry to interrupt you there, but I am with you there on that one. The martini is my go-to. Uh, it, it's well publicized at this point. I just speak about it all the time. But it's interesting because you talk about those techniques being so crucial for the martini. And I think sometimes maybe people don't afford the same attention to the dirty martini, right? Because... I don't know, maybe it's, we're, we're going to get into some of the components of it, but maybe because you have like the, the brine that's very bold that maybe you might feel like it's not as nuanced as a, as a classical martini, but we're, we're, we're going to treat it properly today. Yeah, sure. Like I'm ready. So before, all right, let's start with the history. Let's go chronological. The martini itself, obviously the origins are disputed. No one really knows where it began. Was it the Martinez? Was it something else? Was it even the Manhattan that morphed into the martini? What about the dirty martini though? What do we know about the history of this drink? Dirty martini, I I wouldn't say it I that that's a tough question because like if you think about origin, as you said, like it's disputed, like there is so many different opinions. Um I will have a feeling that Martinez is the true origin. Uh but again, that's just like my personal opinion. Um I don't have any like specific way of thinking of like when like olive brine or like people talking about dirty martini has really been a, a thing mm -hmm. i want to believe he has been like a, like way before like like around that time but also like you know if you look at very old like james bond movie like the vesper is also like a very critical point of like where the drink has been created for a very specific character into a movie and that was just like the way of calling it a Vesper Martini and incorporating like a base spirit, like Gino Vodka into, with other thing. Um, like Lille in that case is used as like a vermouth, for yep. example. But I, I will have, I don't know when the first James Bond movie has been mm -hmm. getting out, but like I know it's a long time ago. And I I want to believe that's around that time when people actually started to like play around with like, oh, you can actually incorporate it, other things to create like a very balanced drink using mm -hmm. like two two components. Um, but that again, that's my personal feeling about it. Uh, like I'm not a big like researcher guy on internet and like looking at thousand opinion is like really what I, what I personally feel like the people in the industry as well, like the different communication that I had with like multiple people, I will, I will have to say that's like what I believe is mm -hmm. true, but again, I could be wrong. It mm. could be right. That's and when you think of a dirty martini, because I, I would argue that it's almost become like a cat. It's become a style of martini, like you're saying there. Like there's no one recipe for it. But 
What do you think of, just in terms of ingredients, what do you think of when someone says dirty martini? Well, I, I have to be honest, there is a lot of people that, especially here, um, have a hard time to understand what they want to drink mm -hmm. when they order dirty martini. can be, like, there is a lot of ways to, like, balance to drink properly. Personally, I like, like, uh, slightly dirty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can just use like a regular olive brine doesn't mm -hmm. have to be like a very fancy product but like with very minimal tools i believe like you can make one of the best martini in the world from your home using very minimum things as long as you know how to get the ingredients straight uh i don't know if it's like a further questions but mm -hmm. like otherwise i jump into what i have in mind but like as i said you can use like really like gin or vodka mm -hmm. like as a base spirit um but martini overall for me is really about having everything at the proper temperature. Like martini overall is dilution. Yeah. How, how you control the liquid being at proper temperature and how you control the dilution you're adding into the drink without being too powerful or too strong or like whatever. Mm -hmm. So like I have a very straight idea of like, I make martinis at home mm -hmm. and I have 80% of the time, not because I make it, but I will say it's better than like most of the bars I go to. Just because of the fact that I keep like um, my gin and my vodka into my freezer. I have martini coupes in my freezer as well. Yeah. I have ice that I make into my freezer. So technically, like it's it's a funny story because like the first time I actually drink a martini the proper way was in London uh, at a bar called The Duke, mm -hmm. a very old bar. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't stir drink. Like they're literally- the freezer martini. They, they really pour like a frozen bottle of- spirits from the thing and it's just like almost syrupy because mm -hmm. it's so cold yeah and that almost like uh i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this right but like anesthesia anesthesia mm -hmm. or your palate yeah i don't know if you if you get it like anesthetize i think I, is the word right yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's the the entire goal of a martini is like you shouldn't be like you know um you, you shouldn't feel like you're drinking something like extremely powerful you should be like very delicate mm -hmm. that also comes with like you know people shaking martinis. Well, it's interesting because that is one that we could, we will explore for this. And you can argue maybe because we're using the olive brine. Um, I guess I was, I was asking that before as well, and we'll get into it when it comes to ingredients, but like, are we using vermouth or is it just brine? And again, like these are things that are open to debate. I do think maybe the origin of this, I would assume that people were using olives as a garnish in their gin martinis and their classic martinis, right? Or even vodka. And someone maybe one day actually, maybe they ran out of vermouth. Maybe their vermouth went bad and they're like, you know what? I'll just use some of this brine instead of the vermouth. Like it's kind of, it's kind of simple. Well, it's not, it's not similar, right? But it shares some, it, there's a savoriness to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say like maybe, for example, like the Gibson has mm -hmm. an history of like adding a savory component into um, a base spirit. So, you know, like, God knows, like who explored that op that option. It's a mm -hmm. good thing that thank God somebody did that, did that. Um, but but what, yeah, what about and what about today? So forget the history because again, it's murky. But modern times, there's a lot of talk of a martini revival. Whatever it's you know the martini is a classic, but I think definitely it has reached maybe more drinkers in recent times, and I wonder whether some of those connections tied to the dirty martini, right? Because I feel like among folks that aren't in the industry, 
maybe the dirty is the more popular version. Is that something you see at bars? And is that something that's unique to the US? Or is that the case when you've been in like London or other countries in Europe? Um, I will I will say, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I feel like British people have, they know what they're drinking when they go to a bar. Like they're very well educated into that term. And I feel like martinis in general, like dirty martinis or just regular martinis have been strongly coming back like after COVID. Mm -hmm. Just because of the fact that I feel like people being stuck at home trying to like, you know, have fun the way they could or just like make simple drink at home. Just like as bring back the the vibe of drinking martini. Like I feel for the past year, year and a half, people like really go to bars or restaurants and they, they just want something simple. Yeah. Like they want to go and they just want to have like a very a simple meal, good and efficient, a very simple cocktails. Like you can you can see like espresso martini, linguini, all that stuff. Like we work at we own venues in Manhattan that sells almost like six hundred martinis per night. Wow. And very little like 93% of our sales are martinis and you can just tell like it, there is no age there is no preferences like dirty martinis definitely like the number one yeah but um yeah I feel like I don't know that just like a vibe like people are past the way of like you know not being like vegan and gluten-free and all that stuff but you know like people that are trying fusion and new things and opening new concepts etc I feel like that wave is gone mm -hmm. and now people want they know, what they, they know what they want when they go to a place and you can argue that and mm -hmm. i feel there is no better way to like you know if you if you have a venue or like you go to a place and like they serve amazing martini like very casual food but like like you don't need anything else mm -hmm. and i feel covid helped people realize that like you don't need fancy you just need what you want and being well done into a place mm -hmm. and i think as well when it, it, it's interesting to hear there that you say that the dirty martini probably wins out in terms of those sales there among so many, I wonder whether it's like, if you're not in the industry or if you're not like an aficionado, you're not geeking out on spirits, like, yeah, vodka is more approachable than gin. Gin tastes like juniper. Juniper is not that easy to, to kind of come to terms with at first. And then a vodka martini made with vermouth Again, that's a very nuanced, subtle tasting drink, whereas the olive brine, I mean, who doesn't love an olive? So I just feel like the dirty martini is probably, it's the strongest flavor, but maybe the most approachable. Yeah, I mean, as you said, for somebody that's not from the industry, like let's say you're a group of friends, like you go out on like Thursday night, you want to have like, you know, you're gonna have like dinner and drinks, etc. Like, I don't feel there is a better drink than a savory drink, like a dirty martini to like, start your evening, mm -hmm. opens up your palate, like makes you hangry. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like th there is like a lot of things that get in place, like helps you having like a smoother night. If I were to have like one drink into a bar for a very specific occasion and I had to order martini, I will go with some, like a, not a dirty martini, yeah. even though like I love it, but I feel like it's like you drink that, the more you realize, the more you drink martinis, I feel the more you realize how you adjust what you like. I'm yeah. not saying like, I, there is people, I will say 80% of the people will go with vodka just because, as you said, maybe it's more affordable, maybe it's a taste, they, yeah. they know better, mm -hmm. like maybe gin is too technical for them and like they think gin is being only mixed with vermouth or straight up and like that brine doesn't go well or something like that. Yeah, You, you don't know what what's going on into people's mind. 
And I feel like I like the fact that I can educate uh, customers on a daily basis, even though like we're really busy when I got two random customers coming to the bar and be like, hey, can I have a martini? And they don't give a single explanation of how they want the drink made. Like, you know, it's good to explain people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like try to orientate them into the better choice. Like I, I, I know I've done that a lot of time and like now probably like some people go to like random bar and they know exactly what they like and like they feel confident ordering into yeah. a bar. So I think it says something about yourself when you, when you get to that point of having your own martini order. I don't know. You go to the bar and you, knowing how to order a martini and no judgment against anyone who doesn't, but knowing how to order it is like being the person at the restaurant that your friends will give you the wine list when it comes to the table. And it, it, there's something nice. There's a nice feeling about that. Yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that's for sure. You know, like, I mean, I don't think you need to be like a bartender or like extra knowledgeable about like mm -hmm. how you like things. It's a personal preference. And I feel like, you know, confidence. Some people, they are like shy to speak to a bartender because people listening around them, like th this is something I see a lot like nowadays of like, people going white when they order martini and the bartender is like, how do you like a martini? Mm -hmm. And like, they think they're making fun of them. Or it can be like- uh, Intimidating. Intimidating, exactly. And I don't think that's the right way to go. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just all about confidence. And like, I think it's doesn't go on only for martini, but just like in life in general, like if you make a mistake or like you try things one, twice, three times, by fourth or fifth, like you understand, mm -hmm. you understand like, okay, I'm not making that mistake again. This is how I like my things, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. Nice. Just like a regular thing. Here's something for you, question for you, the name. Do we think the, the name, the Dirty Martini, A, do you think that has kind of added to its appeal or its notoriety, right? Like this is a Dirty Martini. And also B, do you think it's fair to call it the dirty martini because in some way does that imply that it's not as good or like what's so dirty about olive brines i don't get it <laughs> um i mean that's a good question um i feel like you know like since you're so familiar with the name of like dirty martini like i never asked myself that question to be honest with you and that just like maybe like i, I will have a preference to say that like if you order like a straight up martini like you have a crystal clear drink in front of you and like a dirty martini give you like this like opal almost there brown color yeah and i will have to say that again like i didn't see this anywhere like that's just personal and yeah. it just like breaks the color of like crystal clear components Mm, maybe that's it yeah that makes sense maybe. yeah it's, it's a it's a visual thing but i will say you know because otherwise like olives are are, are a pretty sophisticated little snack right like no one i don't think anyone enjoys their first olive but once you get into them yeah i mean i love my first olive. yeah <laughs> I don't well know. you know but i'm not the type of guy that European like, palate more, here. like three olives or mm. stuff like that i just take the drink as it goes and again like my flair flair sometimes tell me like i shouldn't be ordering martinis in certain places yeah and also like i have common sense of like you know very specific place i go to just have a beer or just like decompress like that's not my go-to drink like no matter where i go i mm -hmm. order a dirty martini or like a martini but um but yeah yeah and so what about you know, obviously we've discussed that this, this drink can take on many forms, but I think for the purposes of this question, we're going to say that it's vodka, brine, maybe a little vermouth, maybe not. 
But when you're thinking about that combination, what are you looking for when it comes to the best prepared version of this drink in terms of what do you want to taste? How, where does the balance lie? So again, like, like if you think of martini, you think of two ingredients. So if somebody order a martini, like you, like what I feel that person um, wants, obviously is a strong drink, you know, um, in that case, vermouth and brine helps like mellow the strength of the base spirits. But again, like I feel if you do, if you have your ingredients stored the proper way and you can be at home, you can have like literally, like you don't need anything like that's actually coming mm. after. But um, again, I told you I like my uh, martini slightly dirty just to have like a little something on my palate. Or if I drink it with vermouth, I will go with like a 50-50 martini. Uh, not because I'm a huge vermouth fan, even though like I love vermouth, like, you know, in for that's a funny story actually, but if you go to Paris in 2022 and you ask for martini, uh, they bring you a glass of vermouth. Huh. Like they have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm talking about my own country, which is fun. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That happened to me somewhere as well. You know where it was? It was in my, um, it was in my hometown. Lincoln, where I grew up in the UK. I was back over Christmas last year. And I tell you, I couldn't for the life of me find a bar that can make a martini and finally found one. And it was a glass of Martini Rossi. And I'm like, no, that's, this is not it. I'm like, I know this is a faux pas, but can you just let me behind the bar? I know you have gin. Like, I can make this for myself. Could not get a bloody martini in Lincoln. Shameful. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like a glass of red vermouth over ice with like a slice of orange. Is, Very nice. It's like, I, w I wouldn't actually complain to whoever <laughs> brings me that. But uh, when you're craving that specific cocktail, that is not going to hit the, that's, yeah. that's not, you know. But I mean, like, so like, if I go back to what you ask, I will say like the best way of preparing drink, that, that's what you asked me, right? Yeah, this one, or, or, or the, the profile that you're looking for. Like, what's the ideal profile of a dirty martini? The profile, I, I will say it's like the drink is so cold that, like, you, you don't, under, like, not you don't understand what you're drinking, but it's like almost, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like everything's flowing perfectly. And that only happens when you drink martini. It can be dirty, it can be dry, 50-50, doesn't matter. It only happens if you add proper dilution and if ingredients are being kept at proper temperature. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's why I was saying, like, I think I make better martinis at home than, I, than in an actual bar where I have, like, every tools in front of me because I can do very simple things. Mm -hmm. Simple things are often, like, hard to do mm -hmm. in, like, a volume place. But, like, you know, keeping your base spirits into the freezer, your vermouth or your brine into the fridge... Um, a few coops or martini glass, whatever vessel you have at home into your freezer as well, a few ice cubes. Um, that, that's, that's pretty it. much it. So let's talk about those ingredients now and let's start with the base spirit. Are we going, do you want to, do you want to just count out gin for this? Or if you are using gin for, for a dirty martini, what kind of profile are you looking for from that spirit? I'm looking for something that's like probably like high in citrus low botanical. Um, like if you ask me for a brand, mm -hmm. I will say Tankery number 10 is yeah. like literally probably the only gin I have at home. Um, and it also it's like an all purposes gin, like 
amazing for gin and tonic, amazing for straight up 50-50 mm -hmm. dirty martinis. It serves many purposes, Negronis, etc. So that's the kind of profile there. Because, yeah, it, it's it's a bit more delicate than the classic Tanqueray, which is more juniper forward. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, that that's my preference. But, like, I will say most of the London Dry are doing the job here. Mm -hmm. um, and, again, you can tell, you can see, like, what's the most popular gin for martini on in any bar. Like, I will have to go with, like, Tanqueray, Beefeater. Yeah. Something like that. But that's the profile. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't want anything too botanical, yeah. especially if you like your if you like gin as a base spirit and you like your martini dirty. Like I don't feel that's a great match. No. You want something as like um, low key as possible, especially if you mix things in there. Um, and then I will say like a high botanical gin, maybe botanist or Hendrix or something like that for like a straight up martini, like literally nothing at it, just yeah. like a pure cold straight up martini. If you want to have like this flavors mm -hmm. into your palate. And then what about vodka? Because I, I, I'm i assuming that most people when they order this think they're getting a vodka martini if they're ordering dirty. So what are you thinking about on that front? Uh, vodka, again, like, I, I will have, um, I will I will go the way of like mixing other ingredients like vermouth or, or brine with vodka, even though like, like I'm not the biggest fan, but like, that's probably like the, the the choice. I just love gin so much that I don't want to put anything in it besides if it has a, a good <laughs> purpose. But for vodka, I will say like Grey Goose is an amazing option. Mm -hmm. uh, after there is like a lot of good product, but that are also like very, like so high in marketing that like, you know, like do you really make a difference when you're doing, when you, like, again, I go, that go back, that goes back to the technique I was trying to uh, tell you earlier about like, it really depends, like the only thing that matters into that drink is temperature and dilution. So somebody that said like, oh no, I, I'd rather have a Tito's Dirty Martini over a Grey Goose. If things are made proper. You're not going to tell much of a difference. No. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, because I, I, I think there are amazing vodkas out there and vodkas that have real distinctive character. Um, again, I probably agree that this drink is probably not the home for them like that that that's for something else or drink it straight or just drink it kind of ice cold but any nuance that you're going to get from that base spirit is probably going to be lost when it's coming up against something like a brine not not fully lost but like you know I'm a firm believer that like specific spirits have their place in specific drinks mm -hmm. um and many many people in the industry can probably tell you the same thing but again like when you come to like a very simple drink with like so many options at the end of the day really goes to what you prefer. If you think a Tito's dirty is going to be better than a Grey Goose dirty, like I'm no one to tell you otherwise, as long as the drink is made the proper way, I believe like, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. that's how you like the drink, you know, like I'm nobody to tell you that. Mm -hmm. Like I like to drink vodka, like straight, not cold to, to understand flavor profile. But if, if in a drink like this really, Mm -hmm. personally I don't think it's a huge, like gin has a big impact I don't think vodka has as mm -hmm. much impact as gin go for something economical maybe neutral um, what about brine though so that does have a big impact what do you, you you said before maybe you're not going for something super high end but when it comes to like running a bar and this drink being very popular like are you buying brine can you have, have you made brine like what's the thinking there 
Yes. So there is like a very um, a very simple uh, technique. Not everybody knows that. I actually learned that in my time at Lioness uh, in London. Um, so we use a type of olive that's called Losada. It's a very standard um, green olives, no peat. It's like a large, mm-hmm. large olive. Uh, the brine is actually pretty good. It's very, very, very s- salty. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can literally strain the brine from the olives, and you can adjust the level of water and salt. So that, like, for example, in most of our athletes, like, we use the exact same brine. So that's the base. So they come in like huge, uh, like, big olive jar. Mm-hmm. We filter the brine. We adjust the level of salt and water and the result is like a crystal clear olive brine. So you have a crystal clear dirty martini. Wow. And it's not too powerful in salt, in not too powerful into like olive taste. And that's that's made for two reasons. I believe a dirty martini, a martini in general, again, that's personal opinion, but like I have many other people that can back me up on this, <laughs> should never be shaken mm-hmm. just because of the fact that you disturb a very subtle liquid, like gin, spe- specifically gin or brine, like you express the strength of that by shaking by like 2000 and the drink become like, like, I don't know, it's, it's so weird to drink. It's like very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's why the, the formal technique of keeping ingredients as cold as possible to have like very light, little dilution. Like you could almost like pour vodka and pour brine or, or vermouth if it's at proper temperature without adding any water in it. And uh, yeah, that like the olive brine situation, that's pretty much it. So like we empty container of olive brine from the olives and mm-hmm. then we readjust the level of water and salt into the olives. So while we pass the brine, the new brine, the water and salt can make new brine into the olive jar that was empty at the beginning. Got it. So like that's th- that's to control volume. As I said, like we, we, we go through like, I don't know, maybe six liter of brine. So you're putting it back in there to, to preserve the olives as well. So Correct. You, but you're adjusting it first. Correct. So for consistency too. How is that becoming clear then? Is that just because you're diluting it slightly? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, you're diluting with, like for example, I will say out of, I use like, three extra parts of water for one part of brine. Got so like it. the brine becomes like very, very clear. And usually you don't do equal part into a dirty martini besides if you want like extra dirty or whatever. So like if you add, if you add, if you add minimum of minimal amount of brine into like, let's say three ounce of base spirits, the brine, the brine color doesn't take over the base spirits. Got it. Plus the water dilution, Plus the when dilution stirred, yeah. et cetera. So like you, you Ends pretty up. much have a very like a glass of water. Nice. And what about um, vermouth here? Because we did mention that, all right, probably most people aren't putting it in, but if you were to use vermouth as well in your dirty martini, what are you going for? Are you going for a dry or maybe a Bianco to to introduce a little bit of sweetness here? What are you thinking there? So to give you another idea of a technique that I learned in my time in London, Mm -hmm. uh, there is, like, I love 50-50 martini. Like, I'm... very, very big fan. Um, and I was able to play with like some very old vermouth back then. And we were trying to create like a 50-50 version using gin or vodka, doesn't matter, uh, with like a very subtle citrusy type of flavor combination. 
and we came out with like this result of like blending extra dry, dry vermouth, lemon peels and lemon bitters, let it rest for 24 hours and using that as a base to do a 50-50, no matter wow. what you use as a base. And that's actually the flavor profile. If I don't drink dirty martini, that's actually the flavor profile that I'm looking for. Um, a smooth drink. Mm -hmm. Like vermouth in that case, it's used to like lower the ABV on the drink, like to not have something too strong in mouth, but something very pleasant. Um, and the result is amazing. Mm -hmm. So like I, I, that's actually the, the dirty version that I just explained and that technique of the blend of dry and extra dry vermouth are the two uh, martinis on the menu in each outlet that, that, you have. that we have. Amazing. And it's extremely popular, mm -hmm. like good feedback. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing I'm doing something right. There. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. What about the olive garnish here then? You mentioned the types of olives that you use there. Can you can you say that again for the folks? Yes, the 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 olive, um, the type of olive, it's called losada. Losada? Losada, L-O-S-A-T-A. -A. Nice. Um, so it's a type of olives from mm -hmm. Spain. Um, and from trying many, 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 many olives and brine, et cetera, I believe that's the, the perfect fit for a martini. Not only the brine, but just like also the type of olive, like you can just have like one big olives into the glass. Like it looks very sexy. So you know one, not three? No. They're too big for, th for three? No, that depends the vessel you use, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, we use like very like old type of vintage martini glass in our athlete that fits literally one olive in it. If mm -hmm. you put two, like you, you, you will have to do like a sidecar or something because okay. it's like overflowing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, I feel the one olive into a glass is sexy. And like, if you want extra olive, like we just bring ask. it to you on, on, the, on the side, you know? What about blue cheese stuffed olives? Because I feel like a lot of people like that with their dirty martini. Yes, so that's also something we do in, in each location. And I don't know, that's like, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> not like, a fan. It's like, it's like what, what but, we, like I will never, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you don't use the brine of blue cheese olive yeah. in order to make a dirty martini. That's nonsense. Um, but I, I, we wash um, the, the cheese that stick on the olives mm. before we put it into the glass or we put it on the Got side. It. To again, like somebody that ordered like a like a straight gin dirty mart, like a just a straight martini with no brine, no vermouth, and one blue cheese as a garnish. Like I feel it's very oily first. So like as long as soon as you put that into the drink, you have like olives floating to the top, which yeah. is not great. So yeah, just on the side. And so do you do you buy those in as well? Because I feel like you have to have them on hand rather than hand stuffing them. So the good thing with the the losada olive, they are like as I mentioned, they are quite big and uh, without seed in it. So you, you can, st we stuff them in one outlet. Mm -hmm. The other outlet, we buy them. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think there is any like right or wrong. Yeah. It's really about like tasting many different kinds and like see what the, like Losada I feel is like, it's like sake for somebody that doesn't know sake, but think he knows sake. That's like the first time you drink is like what you expect from an olive. Mm -hmm. So he has no like weird things or what is got it. It's like an olive. The the, dec the dictionary good. definition of an olive. Correct. Um, interesting that you're doing that stuff in there. So is that like a piping bag? You're just piping the cheese in there, or how are you? You're just old school. Old gloves. School. Uh, oh wow! Like it's a, a blend of blue cheese actually made by our chefs. Nice. Um, and again, like because we use that for, like you know, 
topping salads, for example, like mix of like blue cheese, gorgonzola, or like whatever, and they spread out on top of like salads or like, I don't know, they mm -hmm. use that. And so just to avoid waste, like mm -hmm. that's a big part of our program in each outlet is everything is very simple, but I make sure that we use the proper techniques, the proper tools, we don't prep too much. Like it's just working with your brain over, you know, just being a busy bar. It's mm -hmm. already like a, a tough task, but I feel like you, you can manage to create like a mindful bar program using, mm -hmm. you know, collaborating with people, like mm -hmm. talking, etc. So that come, I, I could buy the blue cheese olives, but just the fact that I have good communication with people and like we change, like the kitchen is like, hey, we're doing this for the salad and we always have extra. Does he have any use for you? Like, yes, of course. Amazing. Uh, you know, I'll try and see. Like, and he happens to be equivalent or better than just... Than what you can buy. Than what you can buy, so... Another one, one of our previous guests here, uh, Joey Smith from Chez Zoo. They have an amazing little uh, a dirty martini variation on their menu as well. And that, and that they were hand stuffing the olives for that too. And he, he told us a, an anecdote. I think he shared it in the episode where he was saying one of his early bar jobs, he went, they didn't have blue cheese stuffed olives, but sometimes people guess would ask for them. And he was happy to do it for them a la minute. But then when he had a day off, people would come in and ask for blue cheese olives. And, he, and, and the bartender was like, yeah, no, we don't have those. And they were like, no, no, but you've given it to us before. So I think that got him in some trouble with his colleagues because they were like, just stop doing this. Uh, so it's good to see that he's he's continued that. But also yourself. I mean, I'm here for it. Hand stuff some olives. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I don't think, um, like, nobody is too good to do things. Like, like I'm going to be very honest with you. I think before my time at Lioness, and I yep. like to talk about them because like they became family very quick and not only for me, but I speak for maybe like 50 people. Um, it's like I've been in the industry since I'm 14 years old, not bartending obviously, but just like growing up in restaurants and like see things and having good communication with like chefs and trying to be passionate about like everything I do. And I went from being an employee, a bartender, somebody with knowledge, like always angry for knowledge, etc., to becoming a human, spending time with them. They really taught me, you know, how to make my brain works, to make things better, not only for me, for the place I work, for the people around me, and like how I can inspire people doing better things every day, you know? Like if I give a bowl of blue cheese to somebody with like empty olives and like fill that up, like as part of like a duty at your job, I can be knowing, you know, it can be just like, oh, when am I doing that? Like we, we make like, you know, $30,000 in sales, like where well, we don't buy blue cheese olives. But if, you know, if I'm the one showing people how to do things and like we do that because of that it's to avoid waste and we have like, you know, this, the kitchen is making stuff to bubble. And I like, I it's a constant communication with people in order to make, you know, like you go from being an average bar to a good bar, to a great bar, to one of the top, you know, I'm not saying we're one of the top, but I'm just saying that's really like the, the human is providing that experience to, to, to guests, mm -hmm. I guess. It's funny that all of that can, can, can be stuffed inside that cheese stuffs olive, that, that, the whole experience, but I think it's a really great example there. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, it's also like, you know, you want, you want to make people proud of what they do when they come to work. And like, I hate, like, I have maybe like 60 bartenders 
cross location in, in my teams. And I don't like them to see me as like a superior. I want them to see me as equal. And like, if we implement something, yes, first a meeting, but also like, I'm not telling you to do something that I haven't done in the past. And like, I always try to find a way to explain, we do this because of that. Like yeah. everything has a meaning and I'm not telling you to do random things. Like we are in this together. And by doing so, like, you know, when somebody has four blue cheese, dirty martini, like they can be like, hey, we end, we end stuff. Like there is yeah. always like a little story to tell and people are like, oh, it's funny. Like, you know, here they end stuff, the old, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, again, constant communication. And I think that's the most important thing into a bar or restaurant to not like be um, too full of your head. You know? mm -hmm. All right, let's walk through, let's walk through the preparation now. Let's talk about making this drink. We know you care very much about dilution and temperature. So talk us through from the beginning, including the the, the ratio or the, the quantities of ingredients you would, but talk us through it as if you were making the drink for us here in the studio. So <clears throat> ratio again, I, I will feel ratio will depend on the vessel you use. Some it really depends. Um, but I don't like, I will say like four ounce total into martinis, like what really you should aim for. To, to balance the drink. It could be four and straight of like, again, Gino vodka. If you like extra dirty or 50-50 martini, you will go two ounce, two ounce. Mm -hmm. If you like slightly dirty or just regular dirty, like people like an ounce. Depends on many things. Depends on how powerful is your brine. Depends on what type of vermouth you use. Depends on how cold you can make the drink. Depends on many things. But if I were here right now making the drinks for you guys, the first question will be, do you have a freezer? Because... Mm -hmm. One of like the undervalued uh, yeah. <laughs> tools, uh, but yeah, a, fr a freezer and a fridge is really what you need. You know, like and a jigger. Like yeah. that's really the three important components. Is like to make to serve the, the 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 spirits as cold as possible. If I were to make like a dirty gin martini right now, I will use probably like two and a half to three ounce of gin, again out of the freezer, uh, to three quarter to an ounce of olive brine, slightly stirred and strain over like a very mm -hmm. cold martini glass, one leaf. Mm -hmm. And so you're just stirring that slightly to get a little bit of dilution or uh, to, to bring the temperature down? Because I'm guessing you're pulling, are you pulling the brine out of the fridge? Yeah, so the, the brine out of the fridge, uh, the spirit out of the freezer, again, that's in the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like at home, that's actually something possible. You have like a lot of time. In a bar, it can be extremely challenging. First, because not every bar is like a freezer uh, near you or like whatever. But again, the, the goal, what I'm trying to say is like as cold as your components are, the best it is. Mm -hmm. And some people, they like you will add more dilution or you will uh, stir more or like depend also the type of ice you use. There's so many things that goes into place. But uh, yeah, if you use like dry ice with like extremely cold components, like you're looking at like very low dilution. Um, again, at home, there is something I really like to do is like to use a thermos, like yeah. where people keep coffee or iced tea, whatever, to fill it up uh, with prop, like in a larger amount and keep that into my freezer. And that's, uh, the result is actually impressive because you can literally, without adding dilution, pour that straight into a glass and it's like amazing. Like, I don't know how, like that's a strange feeling you have on your, in your mouth, but it's, it's actually... It's actually pretty interesting. Kind of similar to that 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 Duke's martini you had Correct. those years ago. Correct. Um, and again, like, you know, martini is uh, re really something I like to play around with. Mm -hmm. So like I'm always, 
eager to learn new techniques and see what my folks around the world are doing, like if there is evolvement into the drink, like it's always interesting to, uh, to understand. Mm -hmm. But again, like a very simple drink required like basic techniques that are, that has to be respected to, to the tea. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so. And then if you're making it with vodka, similar kind of situation, two and a half maybe ounces of vodka. Or yes, I, I will say exactly the same. Like when it comes to dirty martini, it's really like all about your brine. There is some brine that are lighter than others, less salty, more salty, like more aggressive, etc. So that's really, you have to understand both of your components in order to create a balanced drink. So like I, I don't have a very specific answer for that. It's really like how you like to drink your, your thing. The most important is dilution and how cold the drink is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and again, not too much dilution. That's also the reason why you keep the ingredient as cold as possible. Is It's just like an old-fashioned. Like you order straight liquor. You want the first sip of your drink to be strong. Yeah. But mid-drink, you want it to still be strong, but you don't want the last couple sip to be like complete water and warm something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there we go. Garnish. One olive. One olive. Um, I'm a big lemon twist fan <laughs> just because of the 50-50 being my favorite drink. Uh, but yes, one olive, you know, like, again, if you're at home, you can literally have the jar of olive open next to you and just like... Just pick. munch them. <laughs> exactly. Very nice. All right, then. Any any final... Actually, you said at the bar you have kind of nice vintage glassware, but if you're at home, is this going into a coupe, Nick and Nora... Martini, um, a V glass, you know the, the the classic martini glass. I love V glass, but like yeah. it, it's really um, again that's like personal preference. You if if you're not a huge drinker and like you're looking at like a quick quick drink before like after work or something, I, I will have tendency to say like Nicanora or like a smaller vessel. Mm -hmm. um, also great to have multiple glassware into your freezer if you hosting like a few guests. Uh, but again, at home, like you know. You don't really need much. Like there is so many things around you in your kitchen that you can use to, you can use as bar tools. Mm -hmm. um, again, like very easy to make martinis at home. Like for whoever's listening, mm -hmm. spirit into the freezer, brine of vermouth <laughs> into the fridge, a few ice cube, a few glass into the freezer and, and that's it, you're ready to go. Glassware is important, but I will say that when it does come to the martini, it's it's never held me back. I was staying in uh, in LA a couple of months back in a, at an Airbnb, bought all my ingredients to make martinis there. But glassware, they only had these small wine glasses. It was fine. I enjoyed yeah. it. You know, I mean, you can you can make martinis into rocks glass, you yeah, know, wine yeah. glass. Like to be honest, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Just matter. make the, as long as the drink is good. All right then. Any final thoughts on the dirty martini before we move into the next section? Um, no, not really. Like I'm thirsty now. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I had a, I had a martini, I had a classic martini at Keen's last night and I thought that gave me my fix for, for this early in the week, but apparently no. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Right. Yeah. Just, just came back from the long trip drinking mucho. So I, <laughs> like right now, it's time to rest. All right. Well, let's get into those next, the next section of the show and those final questions for you here today, beginning with question number one which is, of course, what style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Tequila. Yeah. Yeah. Any agave spirit, I will say, right, like from the past four years, just been insane. Mm -hmm. um, 
again, if you if you remove tequila, uh, I will say vodka. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the two things. I will like. I think I think everybody can give you the same answer. Yeah. Which um, tequila is the one that's most often called out? Because I feel like on the vodka front, maybe it's Tito's. But what about yeah. the tequila? What is the one that people are usually asking for? Mm, Casamigos is a big one. Uh, there is like so many things on the market. There is actually like amazing product that are, that's a, another big thing is like no, nowadays you have like, you know, big marketing around products that, that don't have the same depth as people that are curating the product like to perfection. And that's also like the job of bars and bartenders around the world to like, you know, show support. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer to have a, to have small back bar. And that's also something I learned in London to not have like a huge liquor selection, but have very specific product that I can speak proudly of why I'm carrying those things instead of that. And if mm-hmm. people ask for Tito's and I don't have Tito's, I can explain something similar and why we carry that and why it's being similar, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I I don't know. I think I have to say Casamigos mm-hmm. is just like, it's out of stock everywhere. It's like impossible <laughs> to get like. Really? And I feel like, again, people love tequila and mezcal, but a lot of people, they, they have no idea what they're drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's go that goes back to what you said earlier about like Tito's being the most famous at the moment. Mm-hmm. Again, like It's a, it's a, I, I, I had a feeling it might be Casamigos there, but I was interested to hear. And follow up one here. What, what, what is your well tequila? Uh, it's called Yaya. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yaya is a... So, like, we, we also uh, did something pretty well into each of our athletes where each of our well uh, spirits are, like, very close friends. Like, not only, like, getting good deals, but it's also, like, everything has a strong meaning behind and that allows us to have, like, actually amazing well for very good price. Yeah, but, uh, which is also, important for your well. Very, and also have like a lot of uh, local support. You know, we do a lot of staff training. Um, like any, like right now, for example, we're opening like a new restaurant in a couple of weeks in West Village, and um, like the first five or six days of friends and family are like all sponsored by all of our well, bring, oh, nice. bring, bringing friends of friends, etc. So it's a good feeling to have this, you know, and not struggling when you open a new location to like how am I. How am I going to create my back bar? Right now, we are at a, a pace where if we open a place, we do like a copy paste of what's happening because we know everybody. We have like strong relationship with everyone, and like also me, like I don't have to run behind anybody else to be like, hey, you remember you told me that like three months ago? It's just mm-hmm. like it's natural. Mm-hmm. Like people want to help. Like we want to carry their brand. And it's good. Nice fit there. Question number two: Which ingredient or tool you might have previewed this one? is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? Well, now there is two. <laughs> the freezer, <laughs> mm-hmm. which everybody has at home, uh, most most of the people. And I will say, like, a jigger. Like, really, like, again, that goes back to, like, making drinks at home. And I refer to COVID period and all that stuff when people were stuck at home or, you know, oh, I want to make a drink. I don't know what to do. I have a tiny little cute bar. Like, a jigger is... It's just like the balance, you mm-hmm. know. It's like if you want to cook something, you have all the ingredients at home, but you're missing like salt and pepper. That's exactly the same. That's mm-hmm. like really how you curate the drink to perfection. Uh, but then you can drink a martini into like a bowl or like a mug. Like it doesn't matter. I, I will say jigger. The jigger. You need the proportions there. Yeah. Nice. Question number three: What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? 
listen to people. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it changed my whole life after I tried to, un like, first um, processing that sentence and, like, people actually explaining to me what the difference make between being a leader, uh, not a leader, but being in charge and being a leader that our people are looking up to. And it's just like, you know, being you, you know, I care a lot about what I do. I've, I've been doing that for a long time. I'm not saying I'm the best or I know everything, like far from it. But I know that I make a difference on a daily basis, just like by listening to like anybody that comes my way for personal advice, professional advice, even if sometimes I don't have the answer, like just the fact that I listen to each individual a different way, you know, like people come and go with like their, their trouble, their story, like some, like I want to, f to be that person when like you come to work, no matter where you work in, can be in the kitchen, behind the bar, like back office or whatever, like they know, like I'm somebody they can speak to and that like, I think I'm a good listener. Uh, and I always try to like, you know, help as best as I can. Um, and yeah. So it just comes back to that listening, listening. Fantastic. Question number four, second last question here. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? Lioness. Lioness. Yes. Good pick. I feel like, yeah. Sentimental. Very sentimental. Because like, I'm going to be honest with you, like I'm not a huge fan of like hanging out in cocktail bar, even though like all my friends are in this industry. Um... But just the experience, for, for me, like, I like to go to a bar by myself, like, sit at the bar and, like, literally just order food or whatever. But yeah. I, can, I can do that in a dive bar. I can do that anywhere. But uh, Lioness give me really that feeling. And that's, again, I'm not saying they are the only one. That's, as of what I know, is, you know, having this, can spend, like, six, seven hours at the bar and you don't see the time pass. Like, everybody's taking care of you. Everybody's, like, very knowledgeable, they care. Mm -hmm. The drink program is amazing. Like you don't actually have to go with the whatever is on the menu. Like yeah, martinis. Like Lioness is a great place to drink martinis. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, nice. Yeah. Final question then today. We might know the answer to this one. We might not already. I forgot the, the question. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you make or order? A 50-50 gin martini. 50-50. <laughs> Should come as no surprise to anyone listening right now. You're a martini lover. It shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone listening that's got this far in the episode that you are a martini lover. So uh, the answer yeah. to that question. Yeah, is a martini. <laughs> All right then, Simon. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I'm definitely thirsty now. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. That was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on vinepair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe, and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher, and please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention, 
they know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Grinberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>